Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Thursday, October 20th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you here today. Did you watch any TV last night? <laughs> OMG, I had a good time watching that uh, last of the presidential debates between President Hillary Clinton and Trump. <laughs> I'm just going to call it now, folks. Uh, this guy, oh my God, he has totally sunk himself. It, it, it seemed to me like in the first like half hour of the debate, he was sedated, right? He, they got him on something. They uh, put the elephant tranquilizer dart on him or something. And then after that, he just kind of went back off the rails. And we're going to talk more about that coming up at the end of this first hour in the Radical Rant. Uh, I've got some responses to uh, my post. I've got a post up on weednews.co that uh, announces the Russ Belville write-in campaign for president. And that's because I figure if you want to throw away your vote on a pro-marijuana protest, uh, why not pick me? I'm as good as any of the rest of them. So uh, I'm getting some responses to that. I'm going to uh, respond to that in the radical rant today. Also, uh, my characterizations of uh, Jill Stein have gotten some criticism. So I'll address that as well. And uh, we'll also cover some of the new revelations that the uh, unbelievable Tom Angel is getting uh, out of the uh, WikiLeaks uh, hacks. So we'll take a look at that. We'll put it all together in kind of a potpourri today in the radical rant also coming up on the show today it's thursday so every other thursday we either talk about marijuana growing or we talk about law enforcement and today is that law enforcement day our guest will be retired sheriff david lanois from law enforcement against prohibition and he's in massachusetts so we'll talk a little bit about question four out there and some of the opposition from law enforcement not only there but all across the country also on the show today, we'll have a chance to do some drug war data mining. There's a new study out. I saw this uh, posted up on Medscape and some other outlets that claims that uh, marijuana legalization or medical marijuana reform uh, leads to more high school dropouts. We'll take a look at that study and poke some holes in it when we get to drug war data mining. Uh, before that, we've got our behind the headlines segment. We'll take a cannabis focused look at another amendment that's being voted on Uh that technically has nothing to do with marijuana. It's in Colorado, but it's a sneaky little amendment and very, very harmful to the process of citizen democracy. We'll give you a heads up on that coming up right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, there's a there's finally an ad out opposing Arkansas issue six and seven. They've got some uh, money now and the their new ad is out. We'll run that by you uh, at the top of the news. Also, we've got a new record set in California when it comes to campaign financing and 
Of course, Prop 64 is a big part of that. We've got a rundown of all the business opponents in Arizona who are against Proposition 205 there and a call from Arizona's legalization community for boycotts of these companies. We'll run that down for you. We've also got an update on a story we brought you a half a year ago on a massacre in Ohio that occurred at an alleged cartel grow. We'll show you what's going on there. And uh, we've got charges being filed in Manhattan, or in the Bronx, excuse me, uh, on these grow that blew up and killed a fire battalion chief. That's all coming up in the Cannabis Radio News. And then in hour two, Toker Talk Radio will take your calls at nine at uh, <laughs> 650 Legal MJ. Almost said the old number. 650-534-2565. I got some other stories to run down in hour two, including a look at uh, new science on the cannabinoid receptor system. And we've got uh, more on the uh, Amendment 71. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay, maybe you're high, too. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. 
Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, October 20th, 2016. Opponents of medical marijuana initiatives in Arkansas launched a TV ad Wednesday claiming competing proposals on the November ballot would lead to drug abuse, while two state law enforcement agencies said they'd need funding increases if the drug is legalized. Arkansans Against Legalized Marijuana, a coalition of groups opposed to the medical pot proposals, said it's spending about $50,000 to air the 30-second spot statewide over the next week. This is the spot. This is a cow. This is a great deal. And this is medicine. Mislabeling something doesn't change what it really is. However, there are compounds within marijuana that could potentially be used to help patients with seizures. But this... It's just drug abuse, and it's not medicine. Get the law right, and many of us will support it. Until then, don't buy the big lie. Vote against legalizing marijuana. Vote no on issues six and seven. Political donors have spent a record $450 million on 17 statewide November ballot initiatives in California, beating the state's own record for the most spent on propositions appearing on state ballots in a single year, campaign reports filed Thursday show. The fundraising has soared at least $12 million past California's previous record, when $438 million was spent on campaigns for and against 21 measures on the 2008 ballot. With inflation, fundraising in 2008 would be worth at least $490 million today. Two of the biggest individual donors are Republican Charles Munger Jr., who has contributed more than $10 million to support Proposition 54, seeking greater legislative transparency, and Napster founder Sean Parker, who's given about $7 million supporting the effort to legalize and tax recreational marijuana, Proposition 64. Scottsdale-based Discount Tire has donated $1 million to oppose marijuana legalization in Arizona, leading to supporters' call for a boycott. The company joins Phoenix-based drug manufacturer Insys Therapeutics, which has contributed a half million dollars as well. Quote, Here we have one natural substance that's never taken a life, and they are taking money from the makers of someone who makes opioids. We're all beside ourselves, and that's why we're calling for a boycott, end quote, said Kathy Inman, executive director of Mom Force Arizona and a Prop 205 supporter, adding, quote, I'm sure Discount Tire is doing this as an advertising mechanism in Arizona to look like the good guys, like they're anti-drug, end quote. The Arizona Chamber of Commerce has also donated over a half million dollars. They are joined by Empire Southwest, a heavy machinery company based in Mesa that donated $200,000, and Sam Action, Kevin Sabet's anti-legalization nonprofit, which donated $115,000. Six months after someone shot eight members of an extended family to death in their homes, surviving relatives are still waiting for an explanation, for an arrest, or for a hint of closure. Most of the victims were shot multiple times in the head and in the case of Christopher Roden Sr. in his upper body and torso as well. Some bodies showed sign of bruising as if they'd been beating. Early on, authorities disclosed a large-scale illegal marijuana growing operation at one of the crime scenes and said pot was being cultivated at some of the other homes too, leading to suggestions Mexican cartels might have been involved. Large marijuana operations are common in southern Ohio. Investigators in 2012 said the seizure of about 1,200 plants in Pike County could be related to a Mexican drug cartel. Prosecutors say two men have been indicted on assault charges in connection with an explosion at a marijuana grow house in the Bronx that killed a fire battalion chief. 
32-year-old Garavaldi Castillo of Manhattan and 34-year-old Julio Salcedo of the Bronx were arraigned Wednesday. They were also charged with marijuana possession. Castillo's attorney says his client didn't cause the explosion. A message left with Salcedo's attorney wasn't immediately returned. 17-year fire department veteran Michael Fahey died in late September after being hit by debris from the explosion while responding to a report of a gas leak at the house. Authorities say the two men were growing marijuana. They say investigators at the scene found numerous marijuana plants, as well as heaters, fertilizers, and tanks of helium. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, October 20th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. served eight years. I did three combat tours in the Marine Corps. A lot was, was given up to, to, to earn that, you know. They determined I had PTSD. I found myself in the closet with a shotgun in my mouth. That's when my wife really took the stand of no more of these medications. We have to find a better way. I turned to marijuana and it saved me. That's why I support Prop 205. Help veterans just like me. The Russ Belleville Show reminds you to never smoke and drive impaired. Hang out for a while and share. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to take a look at a different initiative on the ballot this year, uh, and this one's in Colorado. And one of my goals with this show in general has been to expand the political consciousness of the marijuana community. Uh, we're oftentimes focused on the marijuana initiative or the medical marijuana regulation and fail to take into account the other aspects of the political process that aren't directly connected to the marijuana movement, but they do have a big impact on how we can proceed. This amendment in Colorado is notable. It's, it's among a bunch of other amendments. For example, they've got an amendment in Colorado to uh, create a universal health care system in the state. Uh, they've got an amendment for uh, legal suicide for terminally ill people, you know, physician-assisted suicide like we here, have here in the Pacific Northwest. And this is just one of the 24 states in this country that have this power of the citizen initiative. And this is a very, very precious power. Every state should have it. It's a shame that we have more than half of our states that don't have it. 
But as we know, even when something can become very politically popular, like medical marijuana or now legalization with 60% support, it doesn't necessarily mean the politicians will get behind it. So with the citizen initiative power, we can move forward and we can bypass our politicians when they're too slow or ignorant to recognize the way the wind is blowing. And we can change these laws. In fact, that's how we got legalization. That's how we got medical marijuana in the first place, through the citizen initiative. Now, you'll remember in the 2014 election with Florida, they had medical marijuana on the ballot and it got 58% of the vote, but it didn't win. And the reason why is because in Florida, you need 60% of the vote to amend the Constitution. And that's the only option they have. They don't have statutory initiatives. They have to go for a constitutional amendment. And that 60% is a very high bar to clear. That's not the way their Florida Constitution was originally written, however. That 60% hurdle was created by a ballot initiative. A constitutional amendment was added to make it harder to amend the Constitution. That, my friends, is what's going on now in Colorado. They've got this Amendment 71 that is on the ballot in Colorado. And what it would do, it's uh, backed by a group called Raise the Bar. And what this amendment would do is require that any future initiative has to get 55% of the vote. Not just 50%, but 55%. It also... involves one of those, uh, invokes one of those uh, uh, geographical minimum type of uh, situations where it's not enough just to get a certain number of signatures, but you have to get a certain number of signatures from a certain number of places. This is done to thwart the signature gathering process. Uh, They've got a similar thing in Idaho. You have to get like 8% from at least six of the districts and Michigan's got something like that. There's a bunch of them where they just make it harder. They realize that if the signature gatherers can go to the big city, Boise, Denver, Lansing, wherever it might be, they can go to the big city and get a whole bunch of signatures and be able to get something on the ballot. So the legislatures or in these initiatives here, they add these things where, yo, you can't just go to the one city. You have to go to every county or every district and you have to get a minimum from each one of those. Both of these things, the signature gathering thing, And the 55% passage requirement are just going to make it that much more difficult to pass a citizen initiative. In fact, Colorado, one of the first states to have ever, I think the first state to have allowed women the vote, but I think that was Wyoming. But regardless, Colorado was one of the first ones. Back in 1893, women in Colorado got the right to vote. That was, what, uh, 22 years before it happened nationwide? That initiative passed with 54.7% of the vote. If that 55% bar had been there, women wouldn't have gotten the right to vote. Uh, this, the district thing, they've got to get uh, signatures in 35 districts. So what this does is it makes it so much harder for people to get something on the ballot because you've got to pay more expense for the signature gathering to be able to even make the ballot. And all that does is it puts the initiative process solely in the hands of those who can afford it, more so than it already is. I mean, it already costs a lot of money to pass an initiative, but now it's even more disconnected from the people and given to the rich and powerful interests there. And and the campaigns against this are so disingenuous, trying to say, oh, we need to make sure Governor Hickenlooper is saying uh, this will protect the Constitution from being subject to the whims of the day. 
the whims of the day, as if as if going out and trying to raise money, collect a bunch of signatures, and get half of the state voters to agree with you is some sort of passing flight of fancy, as if that's, you know, oh, I know, let's just do this, and it'll just happen, like we snap our fingers. No, this takes work and convincing people and earning their votes. Anybody who would vote for this Amendment 71 is someone who's voting for the end of citizen democracy. Everybody does that. Yeah, but Daddy says I'm the best at it. <laughs> Funny to think that she grew up to be the the blonde lady on uh, on Thirty Rock, Jane Krasinski. Yes, that's her. <laughs> hey, it's four twenty in the Mountain Time Zone. Remember, my Colorado friends, vote no on that Amendment Seventy One. Don't make it harder for the citizens to change the laws. Hell, we should be passing initiatives and laws to get the initiative power to everybody. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, The Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at a report, a study that was uh, reported, I should say, by Medscape. The headline reads, Legalized Marijuana Boosts High School Dropout Rates. Oh, no. If we stop throwing adults in prison for pot, kids might drop out of high school. Well, that's convinced me. I guess we need to keep incarcerating people. I guess we need to keep locking them up. Wouldn't want a few more kids to drop out of school. Let's take a deeper look at this. It was published online uh, October 11th in the Journal of Drug and Alcohol Dependence. And they were studying the impact of laws that legalize marijuana on the educational attainment in states that had those laws and what would happen to high school dropout rate among 12th graders. Now, the lead author of this study, Andrew Plunk, is from Eastern Virginia Medical School. He says, quote, More than anything, what we have done is provided good, solid evidence that there is a direct link between marijuana policies and education. With these policy changes, we need to be mindful about how young people might view marijuana. As it becomes approved for medicinal indications, are kids going to be viewing it as less risky? This is not to say that there are not legitimate reasons for medical marijuana and also decriminalization. But just because we allow medical marijuana and we, if we do decriminalize it, that doesn't mean that there are not also negative consequences associated with marijuana use. Alcohol is legal, and we know that there are tons of negative things that can happen to people who abuse alcohol. Cigarettes are legal to buy, and smoking is one of the worst things you can do for your health. So we need to have a dialogue with our kids about these dangers and pitfalls. End quote. So, first of all, uh, he's talking about they're not necessarily talking about marijuana legalization because he's using the data sets of the U.S. Census and the American Community Survey survey for the years 1990 through 2012. Nobody had yet legalized marijuana by 2012 happened in November 6th of 2012. And the month after that, it was, still, it was December 6th before it became actually legal to possess. And I think that was Washington. It became legal first. And then shortly after, like the 9th or something, uh, Hickenlooper signed and then it was legal. there. So you can't count one month of December 2012 or a little less than a month, right? So this is just looking at the medical marijuana states. So what they did, they had uh, over 5.4 million uh, high schoolers that they looked at from 1990 through 2012. And they checked a look, they took a look at their educational attainment for the people aged eight, 14 to 18 who were also exposed to medical marijuana by virtue of living in states with those medical marijuana laws. And then they compared them to the states that did not have the medical marijuana laws. And what they wanted to see was what was the chance that it affected getting a diploma after 12th grade, starting college but not getting a degree or not obtaining any degree after having begun college. And what they found was that exposure to medical marijuana laws was associated with a 0.4 percentage point increase in the probability of failing to get a high school diploma or GED. Woo, went up by 0.4. My goodness, a whole (laughs) 0.4. They also said, the medical marijuana laws was linked to a 1.84 percentage point increase in the probability of not enrolling in college and a 0.85 percentage point increase in the probability of not getting a college degree. They say the impact was not immediately. So if the policy happened, if the, the medical marijuana came when they were 13 or 14, there was a delayed impact. That's right. A delayed impact. Your state passed it when you were 14 and, and that didn't 
make you drop out immediately. You didn't drop out until four or five years later. Now, here's some of the problems with this study. And we'll talk about this with, uh, with Dr. Minch. The first big problem is, once again, these states are not randomly selected. Okay? We got states that have a higher use of marijuana, generally speaking, when we're talking about the, the medical marijuana states, the first medical marijuana states. We're talking about states that have a higher uh, uh, democratic uh, rule or democratic concentration than Republicans. We're talking about states that have more urban areas than, say, a Texas or an Iowa. Okay, So there are a lot of confounding variables that we're dealing with here, and we're not able to randomly assign one set of states to be medical and another set of states to not be medical. Another problem that we've got with this is that we're comparing these, uh, these rates without the consideration of how marijuana itself might affect these rates. Some of these people, aged 14 to 18, might indeed be medical marijuana patients. And if they are, their use of marijuana can disqualify them for all sorts of educational help, grants, scholarships, financial aid, and that can have a detrimental impact on the rate of whether or not you finish your college degree. Getting caught with the weed that is legal for you to use medically, say if you're a 19-year-old college freshman at UCLA or something, can get you kicked out of school. So it doesn't account for that sort of situation. And we'll dig, like I said, we'll dig more into this with Dr. Mitch. For me, there is a big problem with any sort of these issues. First of all, the, 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 the chance that they would uh, not get a GED or diploma went from 3.99% to 4.39%. So we're still talking about it. A low chance that this happens. The increase from the uh, not enrolling in college went from 31.12 to 32.96%. The uh, not getting a degree went from 45.3 to 46.15. These are small changes that could be linked to all sorts of things other than the adoption of a medical marijuana law. But overall, for me, the big problem, whether or not people go to get their degree is not reason enough to lock people up over a plant. Even if harms increase, you have to weigh that against the harms of the prohibition that exists. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Raising money for our schools isn't the only reason to regulate and tax marijuana, but it's a good reason. Being a mother of a special needs child, I know that there's financial deficiencies in our school. Schools need every dollar they can get. Regulating and taxing marijuana would generate tens of millions of dollars for Arizona schools. 
I'm a mom, I'm a grandmother, and I'm a public school teacher. And I'm voting yes on Prop 205. It's time to regulate and tax marijuana like alcohol in Arizona. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. What would you do if you were elected about Aleppo? About Aleppo. And what is Aleppo? Okay, maybe you're high too. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. One of the most disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalize drugs. Welcome back, everybody, for our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment. Been trying to get uh, David Lenoir on the line, and he's answering, but uh, then hangs up. So I'm not sure that he understands what's going on as far as us having a uh, interview today. So instead, I'll just bring you uh, one of our previous interviews with Lenny Freeling uh, from Colorado, longtime marijuana activist with uh, Normal and Colorado Normal and uh, a judge and has a lot of experience in this area. So let's hear from our good friend, Lenny Freeling. One of the most disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalize drugs. Welcome back, everybody. It's 33 after the hour, and normally we do this segment on Thursday, but we missed our good friend Lenny Freeling because uh, I messed up on my end, Lenny. It's all my fault. Welcome back to the show, Lenny. Russ, as always, it is a pleasure. I'm glad we're both here. I am, too. And it's a beautiful uh, Friday here, and we are, as of today, 60 days away from Marijuana Election Night 2016. I know, of course, Denver's got the social use initiative going but are there are there other issues going on in colorado we ought to know about so many that they're beyond counting and that in and of itself is the issue in addition to the social use which is such a critical issue whether i am driving to durango eight hour drive and want to smoke in a legal place or vape in a legal place or whether it's one of the tourists that we welcome 
the social use is is the beginning of a very important legislative trend. The other thing that is a day-by-day struggle is the sorting out of the layers. We have our Constitution. We have Section 18, Article 18, Section 14, 1814. We took a little trip since year 2000. <laughs> then <laughs> your age is showing when you laugh yes, at I that. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then in um, 2013, it became recreational law with Amendment 64, which is now Article 18, Section 16. So we have the Constitution. When you have that, the next level of law is enabling legislation, and that does stuff like set up study committees and interested groups, and then they figure out what laws we really need. Then the regulatory agencies who are tasked by the law with enforcing it and setting up the systems have their regulations. Then because that's not nearly complicated enough. (laughs) Then we have every single city in Colorado, few still taking no position, some home rule cities with more power than cities anywhere in the United States, some not home rule cities, and then, because that's still, that's not complicated enough to have city regulations and city criminal ordinances carrying $2,650 and a year in jail maximum penalties with the claims by some of these cities that they can fine somebody $2,650 a day and a year in jail per plant over what the city says. And, oh, yes, by the way, every city picks a different number, which most of the time contradicts the state and and the constitution, state constitution. And, oh, as an aside, as we all recall, now I think we're on the fourth aside, we have the federal law and we can talk about that sometime. We all know what the (laughs) challenge is there. So, We've got this multi-layered thing where I may get a call that is simply somebody asking, can I grow 18 plants in uh, Lock Bowie, Colorado at the Kansas border in my basement? And if I could give them an answer, yes, no, I would do it. (laughs) If... (laughs) If only. And when I tell them what effort is involved and that they have to pay me to give them a yes or no on what the state constitution sure sounds like it says they can do, we have layers of problems. And when I honestly put two people, you have a choice. Follow your city's unique regulation ordinance or risk paying money or jail. Usually it's money, not jail. Or become a test case. Hmm. And (laughs) this has got to be so difficult for uh, Coloradoans to have to deal with because, I mean, I I grew up in Idaho. And when it came to booze, there's only one thing you had to remember county to county was what was the closing time or did they sell on Sunday? That was about it. That was the only there wasn't, you know, I couldn't like not have this kind of booze in Ada County, but this other kind of booze in Canyon County or limits on a six pack there versus a 12 pack there. How are Coloradoans dealing with this? And are a lot of them getting caught up in the system because of it? 
Colorado is dealing with it overall. Let's be clear. Colorado is doing a kick-ass job. And I think the FCC allows me to describe that body part in that way. Colorado really is. On a city-by-city level, the kind of things that troubled me the most, a city ordinance that says your top secret, protected by the Constitution, secret, private, medical, grow in your basement. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's illegal in our city for you to not register your private secret grow with us. And, of course, that gives us permission to inspect it any time we want to send in the electrical inspector. And look, I'm in favor of electricity being done to code. That makes sense. I can't fundamentally fight with somebody who needs an electrical inspection. But to say you have no right to privacy guaranteed by the Constitution, our con- our system statewide is so careful that the computer that holds the medical marijuana registry information is not unless they've changed it, is not connected to the Internet. Mm. There's nothing to hack. Yeah, that's great. And uh, another issue that I think is probably uh, on a lot of Coloradoans' minds is the recent pronouncement. Now, this was out of the Ninth Circuit, so I know it doesn't cover Colorado, but that pronouncement about uh, medical marijuana patients and their Second Amendment gun rights. Uh, Is anyone talking about that in Colorado? We're talking about it long and loud. And what is fascinating about the ruling and what is so blatantly federally unconstitutional is this. They, they could say, you can't possess a firearm while you're impaired. And in fact, that wouldn't be a bad law. But they're, in effect, saying the same as if they said, if you are over 21, therefore legally able to buy alcohol, therefore legally able to drink to excess and commit a class two misdemeanor, we call it drunk with a gun. (laughs) Therefore, because you're over 21, we're going to make that a status offense and nobody under 21 can purchase a gun. That's identical to saying because someone has a medical card, A, they will fill that, they will go buy pot. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. They have a card, they have permission. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. If they do, maybe they'll smoke too much. Maybe they'll then pull out a firearm. Guess what? That's already illegal. So the Ninth Circuit is it. The Ninth Circuit, which is not a circuit we generally hate, is just an embarrassment with this decision. Mm-hmm. It's atrocious. It's, it is intellectually dishonest, and that's one of the greatest insults I am capable of, intellectually dishonest. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's gotten a lot of response here in the state of Oregon. We have a lot of uh, people in the rural areas that uh, treasure their Second Amendment rights. And I know in Colorado, didn't you have... Like there was a, a three or four legislators who went down in recalls because of, of Second Amendment issues. Is this is this uh, igniting any sort of uh, political will amongst the typical conservative gun rights supporters to come around on this marijuana issue? Because it was a private commute, communication, I, I don't feel comfortable divulging my source. But I will tell you the single most conservative guns 
gun rights advocate in the country and one of the top in the world agreed with me on my analysis, reworded it, sent it out to his private firearms trained teachers internationally, quoting 99% of what I wrote to him explaining why this is insane. So I can give you at least one concrete example of a rabid Second Amendment supporter saying, they can't do that. That's wrong. That is just wrong. So the, the feedback I've heard so far is completely against the Ninth Circuit. That's from smokers. That's from non-smokers. That's from people who hate marijuana. People are looking at it and saying, you can't do that. You simply can't do that. Yeah, and unfortunately, the people who aren't saying that right now seem to be the National Rifle Association, which hasn't responded to numerous activists uh, and journalists' requests on this issue. And it always stymies me because one of the uh, the, the scaremongering tactics they've always said is that if, if, if the federal government registered guns, it'd be a list – a list to take people's gun rights away. Well, what's a medical marijuana registry now? But a list for the government to take your gun away. Fortunately, they don't really have access to it. And the NRA is in a very interesting position. Although, of course, generally, but not exclusively, they're fairly conservative. There's also, I think, a strong libertarian bent to it. And after so many years of taking the position that any restriction on the right to own firearms is bad short of we know you're insane you're a felon still in prison to overstate the point short of that their position has been any restriction is a problem and now they're in a spot where i think this is me making it up i think they're saying well, on the one hand, we really don't want to come out as pro-marijuana. That's not the tenor of our membership, as far as we can tell. On the other hand, we can't really come out and say this is a rational restriction on gun ownership. That counters everything we've ever stood for. So all we can do is shut up. <laughs> Stop digging. What else can they do? Good point. Good point. Lenny Freeling is a longtime uh, criminal defense attorney, and he's with uh, the normal organizations out there in Colorado. Former judge, speaker for law enforcement against prohibition. If you want wise, learned men and women like Lenny to come out to your area and speak the truth about the drug war, just go to leap.cc. They got a catalog list all across the country and around the world of great speakers who will help you out. Lenny, before we let you go, is there anything else you need to tell us? Shout out any uh, promotions or contact info? Russ, I love you, man. And thank you, as always. You're my hero. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to My Canary app on the iTunes yes. store at My Canary or MyCanaryApp.com for the science paper. We've developed an iPhone, iTunes app for not measuring meaningless blood chemistry, but looking at performance, looking at reaction time, looking at things that help us decide if we should be turning on a table saw or driving a car or watching Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> and let's look at performance and not a chemistry that 
in the case of alcohol, is a clue, and in the case of THC, is scientifically not even a clue. Check out the My Canary app on the App Store. Thanks, Lenny. And again, Lenny Freeling there from Colorado uh, joined us uh, oh, 50 days or 40 days or so ago. Uh, and while we were on that interview, I did receive a call from uh, David Lenoy, and uh, he, he, he offers his apologies. He was hearing the uh, radio feed and didn't realize that that was him on hold. So we'll get him rebooked. We'll probably have him on the Thursday before the election. We'll talk about Massachusetts Question 4. And uh, what else is going on up there in New England? So stay tuned, folks. Uh, we're going to come back, and uh, I'm going to rant a little bit. This is kind of a potpourri rant. Uh, my thoughts on the debate last night <laughs> and uh, this election in general when we return. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase. And it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. I hope everybody's got their vape pen handy or their pipe or their bong or whatever you use to do your medicine. But you don't, it's not a requirement. You don't have to be high for this show. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. I don't know who you're talking to. You have to be high to do anything. At least I do. I don't know about you. In fact, I've been high so long that being straight is another high. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I want you to be very happy. It's very important to me. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody. It's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. 
Radical Rant. Well, did you see the debate last night, the third and final debate for the uh, presidency of the United States between Secretary Hillary Clinton and the uh, sexual predator named Trump? And wow, what what a debate that was. Lots of fun, lots of stuff coming out of this. And uh, I just wanted to offer my view on a few things. Uh, number one, uh, he, he had some, a few things he said that were qu- kind of funny. I mean, uh, Trump said bigly at one point, although somebody, somebody was saying on my Twitter feed, he was actually saying big league, not bigly. I kind of like bigly. Well, let's stick with that one. Um, he also uh, mentioned that we needed to keep bad hombres. There's some bad hombres that are coming across the border. We need to deal with the bad hombres, which, uh, number one, did mark a historical first. It's the first time at least as far as I can remember, that Spanish was spoken at a presidential debate. (laughs) So there's that. Um, And also, like, Bad Hombres, that's like the name of a a mediocre ZZ Top cover band, isn't it? (laughs) Add them, and then and what was his other, his big comment uh, when uh, Hillary Clinton was making a dig at him about taxes, he said, such a nasty woman. It makes you want to have the Janet Jackson ZZ Top Nasty Woman Bad Hombres Tour. I'd pay tickets to see that, man. I'd, I'd pay good money for the uh, the Nasty Bad Hombres Tour. That'd be great. Um, of course, it's all backfiring for Trump. I mean, he couldn't have done worse as far as trying to uh, cope with the allegations of his, uh, of his improprieties, of his predation, uh, his temperament to be able to be the commander-in-chief, etc., it was just amazing uh, watching this uh, fall apart. And he, he kind of looked like he was sedated for like the first half hour or so. For the first half hour, it was like he wasn't interrupting. He was calm. He he delivered the messaging that he was trying to deliver. And then as time went on, like Hillary Clinton really knows how to get under his skin. It was so fun to watch. She just kept needling him and needling him all these little points and and then he reverted right back to the bluster, right back to the interruptions, right back to leaning into the microphone and going, wrong, wrong, wrong. Man, if you, had to, if you had to take a shot every time he said wrong, you'd have to go to the hospital. It was just remarkable, and I really enjoyed watching it because it, it, it really like eased my mind. I've been, I've been worried about this election. I really have because I'm a student in history. And uh, I know how these right-wing demagogues tend to get elected, right? If you look at the examples of history, uh, Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines, Adolf Hitler in uh, Germany, you can look at a lot of examples where this odious character gets into office because of a combination of, one, people not taking him seriously, not thinking he has a, a chance in hell, two denigrating their support as only the support of the deplorables or a a small minority of uh, undesirable voters. And then three, because of not taking that threat seriously, the opposition dividing itself among multiple candidates. That's how how Hitler came to power. (laughs) There was a, he, it was a plurality folks. Same with, uh, well, you you know, same with the, uh, 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 Rodrigo Duterte in the Philippines, plurality vote, more people wanted somebody else than that guy. Same thing happened to get Bill Clinton. And, and again, not to say Bill Clinton's a dictator like Duterte or Hitler, right? But just the point that Clinton got in with 42% of the vote, 
58% of the voters wanted something other than Bill Clinton, right? So I've been concerned about this because there's so many people in the cannabis community that have that, oh, I'm going to vote for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson thing. And so many others that say, oh, there's no difference between the two of them. I hope we could dismiss with that, that there's no difference between the two of them. At least, no matter how evil you might think Hillary Clinton is, you at least have to give her that she's got experience and competency. (laughs) Right? She at least knows what is in the Constitution, how federal departments run, what the regulatory process is, uh, what nuclear deterrence means, right? You can at least grant her that. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention, uh, again, the great work by Tom Angel at Marijuana.com, who's unearthed another treasure trove of these Podesta email hacks. And the latest one gives me even more comfort in understanding Hillary Clinton's position on marijuana, because this was a series of emails where they were discussing campaign strategy and how they might deal with Bernie Sanders. And so the campaign strategists came up with all these, uh, all this opposition style uh, research on Bernie Sanders' position on drugs. And they unearthed some, some quotes of his from like the 70s where he says we should legalize heroin, we should legalize all drugs, uh, legalize marijuana, etc. And so they presented to Hillary Clinton this buffet of attacks that she could use against Bernie Sanders on the drug issue. And she didn't. She didn't at all. Never brought the issue up. Never happened in any of the primaries, any of the primary debates on the campaign trail. Never tried to attack Bernie on his pro-reform stance. Sometimes it's what people don't do that gives you a good idea of what's going on. And in this case, her not using the marijuana attack signals to me that she recognizes the political suicide in doing so. It signals to me that she understands this is one of those third rail issues now that doesn't help you to attack it. And uh, that's, that's a good thing when we're talking about someone like Hillary Clinton, who's a complete poll-watching, triangulating, follow-the-crowd type of politician. That's one thing I definitely count on Hillary Clinton, is that she will switch her position to which way the wind blows. And right now, the wind is blowing for legalization. So I'm not too worried about anything in the marijuana regime and in, in, in our politics being negatively, severely negatively affected by a Clinton administration. I see it as Obama, third term, turn your back, let it happen, pay no attention to it, that kind of attitude. So again, you can check that stuff out at marijuana.com. It's uh, the uh, Tom Angel's been doing some great work out there. We'll talk a little bit more about this. I've been getting some responses to the piece I've got up on weednews.co announcing my third-party write-in candidacy. People are uh, responding to that and my characterization of Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. So we'll address that in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. That's coming up here right after the top of the hour. Phone lines will be open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. We got some other stories to cover as well. Some new scientific inquiry on the endocannabinoid system that's quite fascinating. We've got some ballot shenanigans going on in Florida. Oh, really? Florida? Fucked up ballots? Color me shocked. And uh, plenty more when we come back for the top of the hour. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. We love you.
This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I inhale. Uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Potland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Time for Toker Talk Radio, where we let down what's left of my hair, light up a joint, and just chat about the issues of the day. And usually, that's marijuana. Not always. This is a show where tokers talk. Not necessarily about marijuana, but usually. If there's other subjects you want to bring up, we're all for it. Phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. Just checking out my uh, Twitter uh, feed, at Radical Russ, and of course I tweeted out that uh, last night's debate seals the deal. No rational patriotic American should vote Trump. Uh, I got a response from uh, at Luke Skyward. Luke Skyward, I should say. Uh, his response was, uh, breaking, dispensary shelves empty as liberals amass cannabis arsenals to await coming Trumpocalypse. <laughs> The Trumpocalypse is coming. Uh, I let him know there's not enough weed in the world for me to be high enough to handle a President Trump. Not enough weed in the world for that. Uh, I'm going to have to switch to heroin and absinthe uh, in that case. (laughs) We're going to have to really up our drug game to be able to deal with that for sure. Uh, But it does remind me, I kind of buried the lead uh, in that rant. Uh, My main point, the main thing of that rant, of that debate that I think should have everyone just on edge. And so far, the response seems to be uh, this this line that he said, that, that they asked him point blank, you know, in this election, will you 
accept the results of the election? Will you concede if you should lose? And Trump says, I, 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 I'm not going to tell you. I haven't looked at it yet. Don't know yet. It's not, it hasn't happened yet. Don't know. Can't say. I'll keep you in suspense. What the entire fuck? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then today he's out in the stump, you know, campaigning. And uh, he, he says, I will absolutely uh, uh, accept uh, the results of the election if I win. Well, no shit. Nobody thought you'd protest it if you won, dumbass. That's not the point. The winner accepting the results of the election is kind of a a foregone conclusion, wouldn't you think? So, no, he's trying to play this game of, well, yeah, of course we'll accept the election unless there's shenanigans, unless there's corruption, unless the fix is in, unless it's rigged. Trying to undermine the very democratic principle that holds this country together. I, I think sometimes people just take this for granted that society exists and there's order and uh, it just works. We are like three days of electrical outage away from pandemonium in almost every major city in this country. <laughs> it would only take about three days before the whole thing would fall apart. Why, why do people come up to stop signs in, on streets, street corners, in the middle of the night when there's absolutely no traffic and still stop? Why do we do that? Because we accept that there's certain, there's certain acceptable ways to behave, that, that, that obeying the laws and following the regulations is in general a good thing that provides safety and security for all of us. So the peaceful transition of power from one administration to the next administration as a part of our democratic process is pretty fundamental to that thing we accept that helps us all get along and doesn't turn us into savages, right? It's one of the bedrock principles. And, and to hear some of these apologists for Trump now conjuring up the Bush-Gore 2000 election as if that's the apples-to-apples comparison is just simply offensive obfuscation. It's just a misdirection. They're trying to paint it like Al Gore didn't accept the results of the 2000 election. And he absolutely did. Trust me, I'm very intimately aware of this election. (laughs) First of all, the election was called for Florida by the network's which just so happened to have one of George W. Bush's uh, uh, cousins working there at Fox that, that was the first to uh, have announced that, and just so happened to be in Florida where his brother Jeb is the governor, and just so happened to be in Florida where Catherine Harris, the Secretary of State, who handles the elections, just happened to be George Bush's campaign manager. So the Florida thing went down, and Fox called it first for Gore. Gore calls Bush to cons- uh, or, uh, for Bush. I'm sorry. Fox called it for Bush. Gore calls Bush to concede. Then later, the, as the night went on, it got so close that the, the networks retracted the call. So Al Gore called and retracted his concession. And then there was a recount in Florida that was required by state law. Not something Al Gore said, hey, uh, I'm going to contest this. Uh, No, Florida state law, when it was that close, had to be recounted. It was George Bush's team that sued to try to get the recount stopped. 
And then after that, how many days was it? 60 days or something? It was a long 30 day, 39. I think it was 39 days that with this whole election 2000 process played out through the Supreme Court and the Florida Supreme Court and all of that, where the United States Supreme Court that supposedly so, uh, you know, we don't touch states and their state this time had to jumped in the middle of what was a Florida case for the Florida Supreme Court to decide about Florida law. But we all know what happened. The Supreme Court inserted itself in that. Stop the recounts. Bush was declared victor. And when that happened, Gore was the first person to concede to Bush and accept the results of the election, even to the point of frustrating many of us who were saying, no, that's bullshit. You should sue. No, that's bullshit. We should we should continue. You know, there was a lot of this revolutionary talk going on in 2000 after the Supreme Court did that. And Al Gore, for the good of the country, because he's a patriot, stood down. And called on his supporters to stand down and accept this crazy decision by the Supreme Court and the results of the election. So for these Trump supporters to be invoking Gore, who did one of the most patriotic things you can do, the guy who won the popular vote accepted the Supreme Court's decision, accepted the way our Constitution runs things and conceded. So for anybody out there, because I've gotten a few people that have been getting in touch with me with, well, Trump would be better than Clinton on marijuana. Trump would be better. And that's not true. Very debatable. But even if he were, you're going to just give up everything else for pot legalization? Really? That is that important. I mean, I'm I'm all for pot legalization. It's my raison d'etre. It's my reason for being right. But there's a whole lot of things I wouldn't trade for pot legalization. And one of those is someone with no respect for the Constitution, who threatens our democratic principles, who doesn't understand nuclear deterrence, and who can be upset with a tweet, should not be president of the United States. All right, let me take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to address those uh, concerns, criticisms, complaints I'm getting over my latest piece at WeedNews.co about uh, your third party vote. Hell, if you're going to vote third party, write me in. I'm pro weed. I got a lot of other good ideas, too. But we'll talk about that. Some people didn't like what I said about Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. And well, I'll just address that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers? From a hardcore partier 
to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. Day. Just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. And quickly addressing some of the Facebook and uh, Twitter comments I've gotten from people. Uh, regarding my uh, Jill Stein, Gary Johnson slams uh, that I've been putting out on the, on the web. And, and part of the reason I'm doing this is because... I'm, I'm kind of I'm frustrated by what I think is a very selfish and politically naive view. I got this guy that's commenting here that says um, a wasted vote is a vote for a candidate you don't believe in. Your vote is your endorsement for the candidate and their policies. Voting for a person you despise because you believe they're a lesser evil gives a nod to their respective policies. I'll vote for a candidate that comes closest to sharing my values over a bad actor whom I share little in common with just for a win. My vote is my endorsement. Now, I understand that feeling. It's the same exact feeling I articulated in an article back in February. I cannot possibly endorse someone who does X, Y, or Z fracking, uh, war in Syria, whatever it might be, right? I've made that point before. And what switched my mind on that point was coming to understand that your vote isn't about you. The vote isn't about you. It isn't about what makes you feel good or what you approve of or what you endorse. That's not what the vote is about. The vote is about... America and what makes America better and what's best for this country, not what's best for you 
Not what you think will make you happy and ease your conscience. It's about us. It's about the whole country. This is the old conscience uh, uh, trope. The idea that, well, my conscience could never, never allow me to vote for Hillary or Trump. I couldn't. My conscience wouldn't let me do it. Well, folks, your conscience is that part that's supposed to make you do the right thing instead of what makes you feel good. Conscience is why you don't just do everything that makes you feel good without first thinking about how it affects others. So if you've got a conscience, you've got to think about how what you do affects other people. So that's the conscience part. The other part, the political naivete part, is not accepting or recognizing or refusing to understand how the American electoral system works. We don't have two parties because it's in the Constitution. There's nothing in the Constitution about parties. In fact, our first president didn't have a party. George Washington had no party. There was no party. But immediately after George Washington, two parties formed. Democratic Republicans and Federalists. John Adams, Federalists. Thomas Jefferson, Democratic Republicans. Now, these two parties formed not because the Constitution told them to and not because there was anything that said there should be two parties. They formed because the rules of the game are going to make two parties evolve. The mathematics, the game theory behind our election, the first past the post single representation system that we have, winner takes all voting, guarantees you're going to have two parties. We could wipe out the Democrats and Republicans. We could find every single one of them and ship them to the moon. And come the next election, there would be two parties that would win the majority, the vast overall majority of the votes because of the way our system works. That's the math that we are stuck with. Now, you don't have to like it. I don't like it. I think it sucks. I'd much rather live in a parliamentary system where we can have uh, multiple parties that can win seats in a parliament, that can form coalitions where people can vote their conscience for the party that closest aligns with their values and actually have some power to do something about it. But right now, when you vote for Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson will have no power, none, to affect change in this country. If you vote for Jill Stein, she will have no power, none, to affect revolution in this country. Zero. They are going to get as many electoral votes as I am going to get. So you might as well write me in. Well, if we, if we vote for Jill and, and she gets 5%, then the Green Party gets matching funds. I've heard this one. They get matching funds at 5%. Well, that's, that's, all, that's nice. You think Jill's going to get 5%? Ralph Nader in 2000 got 2.76% of the vote for the Green Party. 2.76. One of the best known Green Party candidates ever got 2.76. Jill Stein right now, her real clear politics average is about three percentage points. But let's pretend. Let's pretend she does get 5% of the vote, which again, remember, means she has no power come November 9th. But let's say she does get 5% of the vote and the, and the Greens get some matching funds. What happens then? 
The Green Party has been around since the original Ghostbusters movie was in theaters. They've been around since 1984. In that time, 1984, 30, what is it, two years? In that 32-year span, that would be eight election cycles, eight presidential election cycles. In that 32-year span, they have managed to seat 93 nationally, 93 elected offices, none higher than mayor. One mayor in California. And 90, 71 of those 93 are in California, by the way. So we're talking about uh, in a 32-year span, this party has gotten 93 people elected. That works out to two-elevenths of one-tenth of one percent of all people elected. Maybe we should start at 420, right? <laughs> Marijuana reference. Now, the Libertarians are doing a little better, but they've had longer. Libertarians have been around since 1971, when Willy Wonka was in theaters, the original one. They've seated 147 nationwide, two-sevenths of one-tenth of one percent. And that's if you count the ones who are registered to vote Libertarian but didn't necessarily run Libertarian. They might be Republicans that just vote Libertarian. So, I don't see what matching funds are going to help. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. I'm Mark Dion. I've spent 32 years in law enforcement, from beat cop to sheriff, working every day to protect Mainers. In Maine, there were over 1,700 citations given to adults for marijuana. That takes time. Time better spent solving murders, sexual assault cases, finding missing children. The system is broken. Yes on One regulates marijuana for adults, so police have time to fight serious, violent, and unsolved crimes. It's about time. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the National Wildlife Refuge for Marijuana Unicorns. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Uh, welcome back. Had to finish typing up that comment. <laughs> so much to go over here. Uh, again, the guy is saying these that uh, um, he cannot endorse... Either of these two candidates, either Clinton or Trump, cannot put my mark beside them. I cannot. 
add to them the benefit of my endorsement. For I am paramount, I am all-important, and what I decide and who I vote for is of paramount importance. It just seems selfish to me. See, either Clinton or Trump will be president. It's just a fact. It's just the way our first-past-the-post system works. One of those two people is going to be president. As sure as the sun comes up in the east, as sure as the water flows downhill, one of those two people will be president. You know that. Every one of you out there voting third party knows this. And yet, you'll still vote third party. You'll say, well, you know, I'll just th- I, can't, I can't approve of either one of these people. They're both equally bad. They're both terrible. I have to vote for someone who matches what I think. My perfect candidate. My true legalization. I've got to go vote with what I like. How it might affect everybody else means nothing. Oh, yeah, sure. One of the people who could win um, seems to grope women a lot and wants to expand Citizens United so there can be more money in politics and seems awfully cozy with Vladimir Putin and won't uh, disavow Russian hacking and seems to have a trigger finger for nuclear weapons and etc., uh, etc. Et wants to ban an entire religion, um, wants to uh, deport 11 million people, But never mind the effect that could have on immigrants and minorities and women and Muslims and everybody else. It'd be okay if he got in, because at least then I wouldn't have affixed my vote to someone I despise. Well, aren't you pure little snowflake? See, this attitude is just really beginning to bother me because you know One of these two people is going to be president. Now, this third-party vote is like, oh, it's the corrupt duopoly, and we've got to break this corrupt system, and the system is so awful. No, the system just is. You get get rid of Republicans and Democrats, they'd be replaced by Greens and Libertarians, and they'd end up just as corrupt. This This is the George Carlin philosophy coming out in me. We used to explain how everybody complains about politicians. He says, I don't complain about politicians. They're just people. Out of all the people that could possibly run, they're the ones that run. They're the best we got. And if you got rid of all of them and replaced them with brand new people in two years, they'd be just as corrupt and just as bad. It's the, the, the system itself, right? And this idea that there's going to be this revolution. Somehow we're going to uh, vote for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, and that's going to ferment a revolution. It's going to spark this big change. In what? What's going to change? Are we going to change first-past-the-post voting? Are we going to abolish the Electoral College? Are we going to require everybody that gets at least 0.5% in a poll gets to be on the debate stage? How, how do those changes occur? Because the, uh, the debate thing is set by the Commission on Presidential Debates, which uh, is something that's not in the president's purview to be able to change. 
The Electoral College is established by our Constitution, so that's going to require a constitutional amendment. Now, passing a constitutional amendment is going to require uh, three-quarters of the state legislatures, which are, again, either democratically controlled or republicanly controlled, most of them Republican. Uh, it's going to require a two-thirds vote in the House, again, a mostly Republican House, but an almost entirely Republican and Democratic House. So we're going to abolish the Electoral College. And you're going to get the duopoly party you're trying to get out of power to agree with that by supermajorities. So there's that, right? It's like, I'm all for this revolution. I'm all for this change. If you can just articulate how it happens, I don't see how it happens by throwing eight, nine percent of the vote at third parties that can't win and get zero electoral votes. In fact, the thing about the third parties that bother me the most is just not understanding this fundamental issue, this fundamental aspect of the electoral process, the game theory of it. They just don't understand this game theory. That with you have first pass, it's called Duverger's Law. You want to look it up? D-U-V-E-R-G-E-R, Duverger's Law, French political scientist who examined Lots of countries, whole bunches of countries over time, you know, hundreds and hundreds of elections examined this to try to figure out, you know, what was the differences between parliamentary systems and, you know, first past the post systems, Republican democracies, those kind of things. And Duverger's law states that in a first past the post system, you're going to have two parties because of the spoiler effect that splits one of the two parties. He also found that the only time third parties have any limited measure of success are in parliamentary systems. And then only when they have some sort of regional uh, concentration, like you could think of Bloc Quebecois up in uh, Canada, the French-Canadian bloc that's got a geographic and cultural bind to them. And, and similar situations in the, in the UK parliament and the Indian parliament where there are specific regional, geographical, cultural parties. And even then, they never are the majority party. They're always part of some sort of ruling coalition. So this is just, and in fact, the, the correlation of this that Duverger found, I mean, when you're talking about political science and social science, there's very few things that are science about them, you know, as far as like they've been double-blind tested and they're guaranteed to work this way. Duverger's law is one of the few things in social and political science that they actually consider a law like it's so ironclad that we we can consider this a like a law of physics like gravity it's always going to be this way just mathematically speaking and so i get so frustrated every four years with this this third party thing because the third party thing is kind of like if we were playing chess and you got the white pieces over there and you got the black pieces over there and you're over there yelling that it's unfair that we can't put checkers on the board. Hey, how come we can't put checkers on here and, and, and move diagonally with checkers and jump over each piece and, and capture them like checkers? Well, you can't because we're playing chess. That's why. Checkers don't enter into the game at all. The way the game works in America, the way our electoral system works, means there will be two parties. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. It's a fact. It's reality. It's the way it will be. So when you spend all this time and energy 
talking about how your vote has to go to someone who you admire and you can't put your mark of acceptance next to the evil so-and-so. I must vote for the third party. There's got to be other voices. The right thing to do is to vote for the person who matches what you believe in. You can have all these lofty thoughts and, and, and sayings and bumper stickers and ideas and memes and posters and whatever else you want to do to make yourself feel better. It ain't going to change the rules of the game. So when you vote third party, all you're saying to me is, hey, you know, that whole, you know, master of my own destiny thing, that whole controlling my own fate thing. Fuck it. Y'all figure it out. I don't care what happens. If you're voting third party, you might as well be one of those people sitting on the couch not voting at all. You've decided that, well, I've I've heard about the game and I don't want to play it. My the the little power I have in my vote, fuck it. Eh, I don't I don't care. I don't care what happens. Sorry, I, I I know people hate me talking about this. I know they get really really mad and people get really emotional about it. But that's the rule. That's the way the game's played. If you want to have any influence on what happens at the federal level in the executive branch, you vote for a Democrat. Or you vote for a Republican. Sorry. That's it. You want to have, you want to have some say? That's your say. Well, then I, it's two evils and uh, choosing a lesser of two evil always leads to more evil. And you only get evil and it's terrible and I hate him and I can't endorse this corrupt. Okay, fine. See ya. The rest of us will figure it out. And that same corporate duopoly problem that you don't like will still exist. And four years from now, you'll... Talk about some other third-party guy who once again will get eh, 6 5% of the vote. And once again, you'll vote for him. And once again, a Democrat or a Republican will win and will continue. This will continue to happen for the rest of our lives. And those of us who are voting Democratic or Republican will have some say. We will have the ear of those politicians. Or... Uh, or, or, or that, that's just, that's, that's all there is. That's the reality. And, and, and to wish it were different just, uh, is just politically naive. It's the same attitude as the stoners against legalization. I couldn't possibly affix my approval of such an evil initiative that taxes people's medicine. Oh my God, it taxes people's medicine. Oh, and it, and it lets the big guys take over the farms and it's just not good enough. I can't affix my name to that. I'll have to reject it. It's the same attitude. It's the same attitude of what makes me feel good. Instead of what's best for the movement, what's best for the country, what's best for the future. Now, the other part of this is this crazy idea that Clinton and Trump are just equally evil and equally bad. And it doesn't matter which one of them we elect, it'll it'll have the same effect. Yeah, Ask, uh, ask somebody who lost their home in Katrina and had to stand on a roof. While George W. Bush's Arabian horse guy couldn't figure out how to get FEMA up and running to help him out. Ask one of them. Ask that person if they think maybe a President Gore might have done a better job. Ask, uh, ask anybody who's lost someone in the 9-11 attacks or the subsequent invasions of Middle Eastern countries. Ask them if they think that 
a President Gore, who would have received an August 6th presidential daily briefing instructing him that bin Laden was determined to dis- to attack in the United States, ask him if he thinks a President Gore would have stayed on vacation for the rest of the month, given that kind of information. These things matter, and just statistically speaking, it's impossible that two th- people are equally bad or equally evil. Just statistically speaking, it's not possible. They could be equally bad. Bad in different areas, bad in different ways. Bad in more long-term bad, more short-term bad. But they're going to be bad in different ways. And however you want to evaluate them, one of them has to be better than the other, even if it's only by the tiniest, slimmest margins, you know, like two elevenths of one-tenth of one percent, better or worse. You're saying that doesn't matter. You don't care. Let the one that's slightly worse be elected. It doesn't matter to me. All right, we're going to take a break. Because I got dry mouth somehow. I don't know how that happened. We'll be back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your PhD in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. It's time to hem present with Anadina Stanger. I say to you with all the fervor of my soul that God intended men to be free. Rebellion against tyranny is a righteous cause. And I believe that with every ounce of my soul, we are fighting a righteous cause because people need nature. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. Sweet sativa! You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We have to bring back law and order. Okay, maybe you're high too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. And uh, let me get to the other <laughs> the other complaints I've gotten uh, in my attack on Jill Stein. Oh my goodness! So, so Jill Stein herself has uh, responded to the John Oliver show on this. Uh, if you didn't see John Oliver's last week tonight. He did 18 minutes on third parties, uh, including Jill Stein and Gary Johnson. And uh, one of the things that he pointed out was, and, and, and he wasn't, and actually, Oliver gave third parties a much, much fairer shake than I am. Uh, he many times said there's, you know, people that think that we should have a, there's a legitimate uh, complaint that you should vote for who uh, matches your interests, blah, blah, blah. He, he was very gracious to the idea of third parties. But when he went after Jill Stein, he actually went after her from the point of view of let's not even consider, you know, the fact she's only getting 3% in the polls and would never win an electoral vote. Let's pretend she could. Would she be a good president? And so he he went on to her signature issue. One of the number one things that she proposes, as he put it, this is her version of Donald Trump's wall. It's her big signature thing. And that is canceling student debt. A great idea. We've got like $1.3 trillion of student loan debt out there that's just crushing people. And if we canceled that, it would be phenomenal. And the young people, people that are struggling, it would have a, a, a big boost from that. But Oliver took a look at it and, and recognized that it's great to have this idea, but you got to have some details. you got to have some, you know, a plan for how this happens. And, and her plan for this was qualitative easing which was the action that was taken during uh, the Wall Street crash to, you know, uh, cancel banker debt, you know, and be able to bail out the banks. And Oliver did a really good job of pointing out how that's not how that system works and, and it wouldn't work that way. And and finally concluded that if she can't even work out the details of her one signature proposal, how is she going to work out the details of everything else? Well, she's responded. Jill Stein's responded to this in Rolling Stone magazine and uh her opening here says, quote, coming from someone who made a stunt of buying and canceling medical debt on his show and who claims to want alternatives to the failed two party system. This disingenuous attack on the idea of canceling student debt is both puzzling and hypocritical, end quote. All right. So here's my problem with that statement. First of all, she jumps out trying to cast aspersions on Oliver for what he did. Now, if you don't, if you don't follow John Oliver's show, uh, he did this undercover, he did this expose, I should say, on the practice of debt buying where there's these, prof- these companies that make a profit by going out and buying people's debt, and then once they own that debt, they go and try to collect on it, right? And so he took advantage of this by buying a bunch of people's medical debt and then just paying it all off. He just paid off all their debts, right? So, first of all, he accomplished removing people's debt. He actually did it. It wasn't a stunt. It happened. John Oliver actually exhibited more power to cancel people's debts than Jill Stein will ever have. He did it. And second of all, he did it by paying for it. He didn't do a qualitative easing or any sort of what she called on the, in the segment magic trick. He actually bought it and paid for it with his money. So it wasn't a stunt. It actually succeeded. And it wasn't an attack on the idea of canceling student debt. 
He praised that idea. He pointed out what a great idea it would be to cancel student debt. He attacked the mechanism you proposed. He attacked the idea that qualitative easing could somehow pull this off. And then she goes on to say what he did was cherry-picked because uh, he ignored the fact that we had other proposals to cancel student debt on the table, end quote. And uh, she ends by saying, quote, in Iceland, the bankers who destroyed their economy are in jail. In the USA, they are laughing at us from country clubs and yachts. Uh, don't waste your vote on this failed two-party system. Invest your vote in building a movement for deep systemic change. End quote. All right. You want deep systemic change? Then vote for someone who's not going to have any power. How does that build the movement? See, I'm all for these changes. I agree the bankers should have been held accountable. I agree we need to clean house. It needs to be better. We need to end this corruption. You can't do it without some power. Now, it would be nice if all of a sudden everybody had this epiphany. If we all had this grand epiphany that the Republicans and Democrats suck, 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 and we all switched our vote to Jill Stein and she got 51% of the vote and 274 electoral votes and she became president and bam then what then what happens well she's got a congress made up of republicans and democrats so she will again have to come up with some sort of compromises to accommodate getting enough votes to pass the things in her agenda this is this is always the then what part, right? Like, we're going to run for president. Okay, suppose you want it. Then what? Well, you're still stuck with the same corrupt system that you've been complaining about, and now you've got to work within it. If you want this systemic change, if you really want the third parties to have some sort of possible power in this country, you've got to change the game. Not the players. It doesn't matter who we put in the Oval Office. If we elected Gary Johnson or Jill Stein... It would not mean the rise of third parties. We would still have the same math to deal with. It could happen. Now, one of the things that I get back from people sometimes is, well, what about Abe Lincoln? What if we shut third parties out in the 1860s, 1850s? If we shut third parties out, why Abe Lincoln would have never been president because he was a third party. And I love it when this argument comes up because, number one, it misunderstands a whole lot about that er that era of our history. See, we'd had two parties since the beginning of our country. Again, Washington didn't have a party, but after Washington, Adams and Jefferson made up the uh, the uh, Federalists and the Democratic Republicans. And the Federalists won with John Adams, but after that, it was Democratic Republicans for the next generation. They had an unbroken streak of winning the White House. It was all Democratic Republicans. And the Federalists kind of faded away. Now, once the Federalists faded away, we had what was, in essence, a single-party system of the Democratic Republicans. And what happened? From within, it started to fracture. The Democratic Republicans started to fracture. And what we got were Democratic Republicans and Whigs, W-H-I-G, Whigs. The Whig Party. And a lot of what this division started to form over was slavery. 
and the expansion westward in the United States, as more and more states got added, it was a big question as to whether they'd allow slavery, like the South, or not allow slavery, like the North. And this became political, a bleeding Kansas and the Kansas-Nebraska Act, and a whole bunch of things happened. Because every state that came in, they had to add them two by two, and one had to be free and one had to be a slave state to maintain this delicate balance that we had achieved through an immoral compromise made in the Constitution. So the Democratic Republicans were this major party, and then the Whigs kind of broke off because they were more northern and, and abolitionist. And eventually, the Democratic Republicans started to split as well. The Democratic Republicans started to split on that slavery line where you had the free soil Democrats that, you know, the new territories should be free soil. And those free soil Democrats allied with the, the dying out Whig Party, mostly northern Whigs that were also abolitionist. And so they had the, the Democrats, those Democrats, and then the southern Democrats. We had a split in the major one party became two parties. Northern and Southern versions of them. And that was through 1854 and 18, uh, I'm sorry, 1852 and 1856 elections where we got Buchanan, the worst president ever, right? And uh, when Lincoln came on the scene, he was the head of this new Republican Party that was starting to sweep in these disaffected Whigs and free soil Democrats, to run against the Southern Democrats, and then he won. So it wasn't so much that Lincoln's party, the Republican Party, was a third party, so much as it was the rebranding of the split of the Democratic-Republicans and the absorption of the Whigs. Now, in a best-case scenario, in a best-case scenario, maybe that happens with the Libertarians, right? Because Trump's kind of taken the Republican Party right down the toilet. And maybe they fade into obscurity. They start to become a regional, white identity type of a party, more so than they are now. And maybe the Democrats have this electoral dominance that only gets grander as the country becomes more brown, more young, more female, more enlightened, and maybe at that point, when the Democrats become this almost singular party, maybe a branch of them break off and pull in those disaffected Republicans who are withering on the vine, and maybe that becomes the next big party, but it will be a big party in opposition to the Democrats. There will still be two parties. Even in the best-case scenario, there will just be two parties because of the math. And, and you can hate it. You can think it's immoral. You can dislike the idea of lesser two evils. But that's the system. That's the way the game is played. That's the way it works. So, you know, I was a little more adamant about this. But now, given this latest debate and the way the polls are shaping up for Hillary Clinton, uh, fuck it, vote how you want. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Just do it. I mean, I would really prefer, I would really, really prefer that Trump loses and loses big 
I would prefer that Hillary Clinton gets a majority vote in the popular vote so that when she's in office, she has the mandate of the majority. People can't pick a way at her because she just won with a plurality. I would like to see the white nationalist, racist, homophobic, misogynist, xenophobic, anti-immigration wing of the Republican Party die a nice, slow, painful death. Love to see that happening. And that would happen so much more. If all these third-party voters jumped on the train that can actually make that happen. But at this point, at this point, I'll just accept that, hey, Clinton's going to win this thing. And she'll do some good stuff and she'll do some bad stuff. And we'll be bitching about it for four years. And come 2020, we'll have another election and more people will want to vote for third parties and they won't get elected. And we'll just keep on going just the way we've been going. I'm not saying you can't vote third party hell do it this is america you don't have to vote at all that's one of the nice things about this country you know there are countries that have mandatory voting australia has mandatory voting in that kind of system you might make a bigger splash voting third party because you have to vote but right now there's no distinguishing between people who don't vote and people who vote third party when it comes to the final reaction the final results of this thing The change that's going to happen in America is going to happen from within the two parties. The Republicans showed it with the Tea Party. They showed that you can do that. You can primary. You can run against the establishment. You can make these kind of changes, but they happen slow, and they happen from within the system that exists, not from outside it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll close up shop. I got to get ready for football. We got the Packers and Boise State playing tonight. It's Og Rotten Touchdown Thursday. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. I was a Boston PD cop, and now, as a professor, I believe yes on four is a smart choice to protect families. Let me explain. Question four requires strict product labeling and child-proof packaging and bans advertising directed at kids. And question four bans consuming marijuana in public. It will tax and regulate marijuana for adults 21 and over, bringing millions in revenue for schools or law enforcement. Vote yes on four. Smart regulations protecting families. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. She doesn't have the look. She doesn't have the stamina. To be president of this country, you need tremendous stamina. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. 
Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with me throughout this uh, little political discussion. Um, again, I go off the warpath sometimes. I like to talk about stuff other than marijuana. And with that debate last night, I could not resist. But tomorrow, Friday, we're back into the marijuana. Full steam ahead, folks, because we've got an exclusive interview with the one and only Tommy Chong on tomorrow's show. I pre-recorded it today. Spoke to him this morning for about half hour, actually. So it's a nice extended interview. We went over uh, his time in prison, what he's doing with his career lately, talked a little bit about his health issues, and we had a long-ranging discussion on this election and his uh, thoughts on the marijuana legalization initiatives, his thoughts on Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, third-party voting. Uh, is a great discussion. My thanks to Tommy and all his people for setting that up, and we'll have that on the show for you tomorrow. And then uh, also, don't forget that we've got the marijuana election night that's happening on November. November 8th and oh my god it's just getting bigger and bigger people I just saw that uh, uh, today they turned in uh, the ad specs Uh, apparently next week there will be a full page ad in the um, the alternative weekly papers in I think it's LA San Francisco Phoenix Miami um, a few others that are all a part of that same publishing arm I forget who they are but, uh, yeah, so there'll be a full-page ad for Marijuana Election Night with my smiling mug on it uh, in a big city near you that's voting on legalization. So uh, pick up a copy of that and snap a picture of it for me. Let me see what that looks like. I'd love to see it. But this, uh, this coverage is going to be huge, people. Uh, just absolutely amazing. We've got uh, elected officials. Uh, Congressman Blumenauer will be joining us. We'll be talking with uh, celebrities. Uh, we've got... Uh, Policy wonks like John Hudak from uh, Brookings will be joining us to discuss the issues. We're talking to some of the candidates that are running for uh, state elected office that are marijuana reformers. Stephanie Viscovich in Washington, Carrie Boyder in Montana, Cliff Duvall in Texas, and some others. Folks, we're even going to be talking to the opponents of marijuana legalization. I've reached out to them. We're going to try to get Kevin Sabat and and Scott Gagnon and uh, Ed Gogek and... Rosalie Pacula, whoever else we can get, Bertha Madras, I don't care. We'll get them all because we're going to do this fair and balanced. We're going to have the pro side. We're going to have the con side on these issues, and I'm really looking forward to it. Marijuana Election Night 2016. We're going to be tied in with about 40 different network affiliates, ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, across the country, delivering to them the uh, election news. So, I, this is going to be the biggest broadcast of my career. I'm actually freaking out about it. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I, you know, I go into this thing and I'm like, 
you know, I've been doing this as a radio guy, just a podcast guy. Uh, most of the time, it's me and a laptop, and if I'm lucky, uh, an assistant sitting with me. And I just sit there and I cover the election. It's never been a big deal before. Now it's, you know, we've got staff and cameramen and, and producers and engineers and <laughs> connections to other outlets in nine different states. And oh my God, <laughs> I'm freaking out, people. It's going to be a good time, though. And that music means that it's time for us to go. Time flies when you legalize. But we'll be back tomorrow with more news, interviews, and views you can use for the cannabis community. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ Belville, live and direct from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate all of you. And uh, until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down south.